0: You are tuned into The Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of The Dr. Tina Show, I am sitting down with colleague and total rock star, Dr. Carolyn Stone. Dr. Stone is a naturopathic physician practicing in Arizona. She's a thyroid expert, and she's recently released her new book, Hashimoto's You Got This, The Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Taking Charge of Your Thyroid. So many of you have asked for a thyroid episode and had many thyroid questions along the way, Here's your answers. We both threw in a ton of clinical pearls and answered all the questions. I hope you enjoy this. Let's jump in. All right, Dr. Carolyn Stone, I am so excited to have you here today. Finally, we get you on the show. I... Have known you for a few years and you are the thyroid guru in my opinion. So I'm very excited that you're you've come on today to talk about your new book. Will you introduce yourself to the audience, please? Yes,
1: of course, of course. So Dr. Carolyn Stone, I'm a naturopathic doctor. Uh, I practice in Tempe, Arizona. So yeah, thyroid is my jam. It's what I love to do. Um, also, of course, we do other things like adrenals go along with that, hormones go along with that, but work with a lot of women. Men are welcome to, but it's more women that come to the office in my opinion (laughs) and more women that have Hashimoto's too so that's kind of my my bread and butter and yeah it's interesting I never thought if you had asked me when I graduated med school if thyroid was going to be my thing Mm -hmm. never was even really on my radar so it's kind of interesting how I ended up here but I'm glad I did because I really love what I do and I love the impact that I'm able to have on my community so yeah that's me
0: how did you end up here? Because I only recently, from one of your Instagram posts, you have an awesome Instagram, by the way, everybody should follow it. What what brought you here? Because I remember you saying recently that you had some weight struggles, you had some health issues yourself. Was that part of this? I it didn't know was, that. Yeah, yeah. So when I was in med school, I mean, I started out
1: fairly healthy in med school. I mean, I was coming, I came right out of college. So college years were not, I was not very kind to my body, but, you know, kind of started to clean it up and was doing pretty well, but you know how it is med school, you're stressed out, you're not sleeping, you know, and eventually that all caught up with me. So I was fatigued. I was a good, like 50, 60 pounds overweight. Like it was not a small amount for sure. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't diagnosed with Hashimoto's until after I graduated. And I, I probably had it before, but I don't think anybody actually tested for it. You know, funny enough, being in a naturopathic medical school, went to the naturopathic medical clinic, and I don't think anyone tested for it. But I knew I had adrenal issues and my period sucked. So I knew there was hormone problems. And so eventually kind of, got it together and figured out what was going on. But it took me a long time. Like it was a long process for me. It was not a short thing where it was like, Oh, I figured out what's going on, changed my life overnight. That was not at all how it happened for me. And so that's kind of part of what I teach patients too, is that, all right, you didn't get here overnight. So stop expecting that like in two weeks, you're going to feel like a million bucks and, you know, we'll get you better quick, but not quite that quick. Um, and I think it's, I'm pretty sure it was Dr. Senseneg, um, I am sure, you know him, of course. So he would always say, oh, you can't walk 10 miles into the woods and come out in five. Right. So I always try to relay that to patients, but yeah, I I had gained a bunch of weight myself, figured out what was going on, um, and then just started the process. And so, you know, we'll touch on this, I'm sure at some point, but what I always try to teach people is just get started, somewhere, do something. And so for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to focus on food because I felt weak. I was tired. So exercise seemed like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that or the type of movement that I wanted to do. So I started changing my diet first, got that under control. And then I started with, you know, I did yoga and I did like the most basic yoga, yin yoga, restorative yoga, where you're basically like taking a nap and stretching, but I felt good. And then That's built my on, favorite, right? I know. I'm like, this is great. I do this all the time. Uh, but yeah, built on, built on that, got into strength training and then really turned things around. And so, you know, I, I probably should share that story more. I share it a lot with my patients because some of them come in and they're like, well, you don't have any problems. Like you're skinny, you're fit, you're whatever. Right. They see who I am now. I'm like, dude, it wasn't always that way. And you don't have to go through those things for sure to know what you're talking about or to be able to relay that to patients. But I think it's a helpful thing to say like, Hey, I've struggled too. been there, been broke, been eating, you know, beans and hot dogs <laughs> to try and survive. Like, cause I was, didn't have any money. So yeah, I went through all that. And because of what I went through, I feel like that gives me this connection with my patients because I, I truly do understand their struggle because I've been there and I know exactly. The things they're telling themselves that you know those narratives that we say, oh, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I've been off track for so long, I can never get back on, type of thing. And so I really feel like that helps me connect with my my patients a lot.
0: I had a similar situation happen, and I only share this because it was the exact opposite. I was skin and bones. I was wasting away to nothing, and. They actually, I was in school, I was several years in and I was doing the two programs and my chiropractic and my naturopathic. And one of my friends came up to me in chiropractic college and she's like, Do you have cancer? And I said, No. And she's like, You've lost so much weight. And I'm like, I think I look awesome. Because, you know, 12-year-old anorexic Tina in my brain was still roaring at those in those days. And uh I finally I felt like crap. And I finally Took it upon myself. Uh, It was actually Alex Vasquez. Do you know who Alex Vasquez is? The great Alex Vasquez. We were hanging out. If you guys, for the audience listening, you guys should check out Alex Vasquez. He's a genius uh, chiropractor, ND and DO. And anyway, he gave me some um, T3, straight T3. And It was a really high dose, and I took it, and I went home, and I—I mean, I was so thin, Carolyn. And I took it, and I started shaking like I had drank ten cups of coffee, and I called him, and I said, "Oh my god, my heart's beating really fast, and I feel really jittery." And he goes, "Yeah, but how do you really feel?" And I said, "I feel awesome. I feel normal. Like something had lifted from me that I hadn't felt since I was—I mean, I hadn't felt that way since I was fourteen years old when my thyroid issue started." So. Uh, Quickly, of course, I found some antibodies, but you know, those antibodies don't always show up and the labs don't always look weird. And the person sitting in front of you doesn't always look like a hypothyroid person because I didn't fit the bill. I still had my eyebrows. I actually had loose loose stools and not constipation. I had the opposite of everything, right? And more of that Graves kind of picture, at least for that time being. (laughs) Those were the days when I still had some thyroid. (laughs) So, anyway, I get it, and it is it's funny because we miss that i think I think naturopathic doctors I'll say this, I know we're going to get into it, but I think naturopathic doctors in general miss that stuff a lot I don't know a lot of nds who are really good with thyroid to be totally honest with you I've had many patients ask me like well, who should I go see when I closed up shop on my practice like who should I go see and I'm like I honestly don't know because I don't know that many that treat it as aggressively as some of us do you know yeah which is crazy to me because we're the perfect people to treat it I mean like especially you know majority of cases
1: of hypothyroidism are Hashimoto's and we are the people to treat it we know nutrition we know lifestyle and that's so- much of what you have to do for it. So it's crazy to me that, that, you know,
0: we're not better at it as a whole. I think we're, I think doctors in general, and maybe this is a comment for another day, but doctors in general shy away from prescribing thyroid hormone outside of, you know, T4 therapy. And it, it because in Oregon, I mean, MDs, medical doctors can lose their license for prescribing desiccated thyroid, they have lost their license for prescribing desiccated thyroid. Uh, we did, you know, we're fine as NDs, it's, even if we don't have labs to justify it, as long as we have clinical justification of symptomology, and we follow up with labs to track, we're good. But it's, it's a really dicey land. It's, it's, have you ever had a pharmacist come at you for prescribing to like an elderly patient or prescribing desiccated? I have, it's, it's, it's a trip anyway so I mean just for i say this for the audience listening it's not so easy to find somebody who's good at it and you're you're really good at it so okay let's talk about your book tell me about your book because I'm very excited <laughs> All right so my book I mean really this needed
1: to be written because it's like it's not all my thoughts in the world about thyroid but it's all this stuff that I feel like I tell patients over and over and over again and it's nice to finally have everything in one place. Right. So now I can be like, all right, I need you to look at these chapters. This is what I need you to work on. So they have an idea of what they need to do, because, you know, you only even though naturopathic doctors generally spend more time in their visit with a patient than MDs do. You're still limited. There's only so much you can teach. So it's nice to be able to have something that I can send people home with. So this really, you know, it gives you the basics of, okay, what is Hashimoto's? How is it diagnosed all of that? But really what it's laying is the foundation. Because if we don't have a good foundation of health, all the other things you're going to do really don't matter. You know, all the supplements you're going to take, all the specialty treatments, all of those things, they're only going to work so well. Even medication, right? Thyroid medication is only going to work as well as that foundation. And so that's what my book really goes through is. You know the sleep, your your gut health, how you need to exercise, adrenals and sex hormones. Had to put that in there because that's such a big part of what I see. I almost always see those three things together, especially by the time people get to me because they're usually a hot mess by the time they get to me. So that's really what my my book lays out. And the first chapter, which I've kind of been talking about a little bit on Instagram, is just the mindset. That's such an important piece of it. Because if you can get your mind in the right space to make these changes, it just falls into place and it gets so easy and it's like second nature. It's like brushing your teeth in the morning where it's just part of your day. So that's really like such an important piece there. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So mindset. Let's talk about that because one of the cardinal symptoms for me when my thyroid is dumping out is brain fog, lack of ambition, and depression, untouchable depression, like depression so dark that it gets it gets bad sometimes and i never knew through the years of and my audience knows this i was put through the ringer on you know all the antidepressants when i was younger and the thyroid hormone has been the most effective helper for me in that aspect in that regard let's talk about how somebody who's in that place right it's like you're digging Up just to like peek out (laughs) of the hole. You you know, you're just trying to peek out the hole and and see some daylight there. What what can people take home from this? Like what's the big what's the big take homes here? Because I think that people are like, Well, I feel so shitty and I'm so depressed. And how is this ever gonna clear up? You know, the clouds are never gonna part, kind of attitude.
1: Yeah. And I remember being in that space where it's like, oh, like is this ever going to get better? And that's where I talk to people a lot about, well, one, okay, of course, like managing their, their medications. A lot of people come in on medication and they are not optimized. So getting them optimized on their medication, that's like step one, because that's quick results. Like usually within two weeks, I check in on them and they're like, Oh, like the lights are on. Okay. So I'm trying to get their lights on first. So, once we've got the medication piece squared away, not everybody's on medication, but the majority of them are when they come in. So, getting that piece squared away, but then it's about doing the daily habits, like small. Changes. So once we've got a little bit of the lights on, I'm like, okay, let's, let's start with the basics. Like I want you to do, I never give more than three things. Like I need you to, you know, get sunlight first thing in the morning. I need you to walk every day and I need you to meditate for five minutes. Like try to make it super simple and even also get some resistance and kickback on some of that surprisingly. But, you know, that's where, and I think we'll get to this, too, but people tend to overcomplicate it where they want to do all the things at one time. And I'm like, yo, like just start with something simple, build a habit for, you know, 21 days, 30 days, whatever it is, build the habit. And then you're going to start to feel the fog lift. Right. But this is also oftentimes in the beginning, I find, you know, aside from optimizing their medication is also figuring out what else we have going on. Do they, do they need hormone replacement therapy? Do they need adrenal support? And that's going to also help turn the lights on so that they can have forward movement. And so I always talk to them about, okay, we might start you on a lot of stuff at first, but the goal is just to kind of wake you up, right? Get things moving in the right direction, get you from point A to point B, but I don't expect you to have to be on things forever for the most part, right? There's certain cases where, yeah, it makes sense long-term, but really I'm just trying to kickstart things. So getting, getting connected with somebody who knows how to jumpstart the system, so to speak, can be really helpful because otherwise it's hard to make those changes, right? If you're trying to make the changes first and then treat everything and waiting on supplements and all those kinds of things it just, in my opinion, or at least in my experience, it just doesn't seem to work as well. So I always tell them it's a lot of stuff at first, as far as like what you might be taking supplement wise, but the actions is the daily actions and those habits that we're trying to build that will be the
0: long-term solution. That's so key. And I'm so happy to hear you say that because that's exactly what I did. Most of my patients were pain, you know, in pain, they came in for pain. And so and thyroid and pain are very intimately related, as you know, I couldn't get them over the hill without some hormone, like I had to prescribe something. And my biggest argument with most holistic functional medicine and naturopathic doctors is, oh, we're going to support and and people online, they want to balance their hormones naturally, quote unquote. And I'm like, yo, sometimes you need some hormones. (laughs) Especially if you're over 40. And you're female, you probably need some thyroid hormone to some degree. That doesn't mean we need to crank you out and give you the thyroid of a 25 year old. But we definitely need to as like you said, jumpstart them so that they actually have the energy to move because that thyroid deficiency is causing their metabolism to be so 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 sluggish and cellularly things are not moving uh metabolically t- turnovers not happening the pain persists the fog the brain fog the like myxedema edema in the tissues which makes everything hurt and swell you know and they just feel like they're moving through molasses which i know all too well uh I mean, one of my first symptoms is spinal pain and my spine just locks on me like somebody glued it together and then I can't do anything. And so then I'm flat on my back going, what the heck's wrong with me? And then two weeks later into it, I'm like, I'm so depressed, (laughs) you know, and then a few days or weeks later, I'm like, oh, I just need to up my thyroid hormone and mysteriously migraines. I've seen this. I've seen thyroid and migraine, huge connection there. Uh, Just that that's a whole other combo. But my point is, is for anyone listening, argue for the hormones get something on board. But to Dr. Stone's warning, you will bonk in three months if you don't do all the other things. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah, you have to do Yeah. So you have to do all the other things. So the, the nice thing about medication, again, jumpstart you get you in the right mind space and the right place where you can start to make those changes. But you got to do all the rest of the work, right? You have to you have to make sure that you're sleeping such a huge thing. And, and for some people, you know, getting too much sleep is also problematic. And I just did a post on this the other day where too little and too much sleep actually affects your thyroid function. So you got to find that sweet spot. So if they're in a hyperthyroid state, usually which can happen, especially early Hashimoto's, I see a lot of hyperthyroid fluctuations. Um, they're not getting enough sleep. And then my hypothyroid people are like just dragging through the day, but medication can help with that. We get them good sleep, stress. Like managing their stress, that's big, big. People's adrenal, especially now, right after the last two years, people are just zonked out. They have zero energy. They are stressed to the max. Watching too much news, right? Not, not turning their phones off and just glued to things. So, getting their stress in check. Movement is so huge. Movement is so huge, especially for my Hashi's patients, because they're in a lot of pain, oftentimes, and they're they're tired, and so to them, movement just seems like an extra task. But then once I get them moving, they're like, Oh, like now I have energy. Every time I go for that walk, like I have this burst of energy and then they, it starts to click for them that, all right, this is how, this is how I get things to change. Right. And then of course, nutrition and, you know, getting good sun exposure, all, all of those things that's, you know, those are those foundational pieces that I talk about in my book. Cause if you're not doing those things, and those are You know, people, a lot of times we'll talk about, oh, I'm doing this detox or I'm doing this program or I'm doing this thing. And I'm like, this is for the rest of your life. Like, this is not something that you're doing for a period of time. It might shift right? So, okay, now I'm strength training and doing all these things, you know, that's not going to be the same when I'm 80, <laughs> but you're still doing some type of movement, right? You're still doing things that might just shift as you get older. So getting people to get with that stuff and understand that it's not a quick fix. It's not a temporary thing that this is literally a way of life that we adapt as we get older and things change or our environments change, but it's really what they have to do To survive and to feel good and be able to get off the floor when they're older.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And it's conveniently all the same things you have to do. I mean, they're all non negotiables, in my opinion, like completely non negotiable. They're all the same things we have to do for any condition, for any disruption in the force. You know, anytime somebody's unwell, these are the basics. And without the basics, the hormones won't hold. So, and I've done it. I have been the person who preached this, wrote a similar book, but it was, I mean, the chapters look almost identical, but it was about pain. It's yeah. the same oh, yeah, yeah. thing. It's the same idea. <laughs> it's yeah. The same, because same, everybody needs it. <laughs> it's the same thing. Right? right. And, but while I was burning the candle at both ends, rising, my star rising in my career, I was just having my thyroid get more and more destroyed because I was driving that cortisol train, you know, I was driving that stress train and I was not mitigating that very well at all. And so now I'm in a place where I have got to take much higher levels of thyroid hormone than I ever have. And that sucks. And this is where we are. You know, this is what it is. And that's okay. I joke that if the zombie apocalypse does hit, I'm going to be like killing squirrels and sucking their thyroid out. So I can get my... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I've, I've always asked when I meet people who have hunted a certain animal, I'm like, did you look at their thyroid? What was their thyroid like? Because <laughs> I know <laughs> I I, look. I'm going to need it at some point. But anyway, these are critical factors for so many reasons, not just if you have Hashimoto's. And it's, again, it's non-negotiable. These are, you know, basics. These are like the basic laws of living, in my opinion, to obtain optimal health, to survive Rona. My audience knows this. They've heard all of this. So I'm really glad to hear you say those same things. I'm hoping the audience is starting to hear the rhythm of the... yeah no matter what mystery we're trying to unravel it all comes down to sunlight and walking and strength training and sleeping and stress mitigation and proper nutrition and you know yep. let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about seasonal changes i know you're in arizona so i don't know if you've seen as much of this i saw seasonal changes impact patient's thyroid needs significantly here in the Pacific Northwest as we shifted. Do you see that there? I don't see it as much. Like there'll be a little bit of a shift, but we have, you know, we have sunshine all
1: year round. So we don't get that shift in vitamin D. Like we can pretty much get it whenever we want. So I don't see it as big of a shift, but there certain is certainly is like a hibernation period. <laughs> I feel like that people go into because even though our winters aren't the same as other people's winters, it's still a drastic change for us. You know, where you To 100 plus temperatures in the summer, and then you go down to you know 40 in the morning in the winter sometimes. So you see a little bit of a shift, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as you know people in
0: other states where they have true seasons. So I don't see that as much. You know what I will say about Arizona when my so I get a seasonal shift and I often know the season's shifting before, my body knows it before I actually realize it in my brain because I will have these moments, I don't know, maybe too, it's definitely always when summer turns into fall. And then when fall turns into winter, I'll go through a few days where I am bone cold and I cannot rewarm, like I cannot rewarm to save my life and it's miserable and it will often precede the seasonal shift and or come along with some kind of sickness. It'll harmonize with, it'll sync up with my period a bit. So, you know, all these things make sense to us, Uh, but I will get bone cold and I cannot, I mean, it's so painful that if I didn't have a sauna, I would... Uh, let's just put it this way: I have made my husband strip down to nothing and crawl in bed with me just to re-warm me because I'm so cold. I'm crying like it's so horrific, and I experience that more often in Arizona than I do in Oregon because your your nights are so freaking cold there. Like in the winter time, the nights are like boom, desert cold, and all of a sudden I'm just sitting there like I could have a I could be all bundled up, but I'm still like holy smokes, my bones are cold. <laughs> Yeah.
1: but you know, I will say, you know, I do see it in some of my patients for sure. For sure. And even with myself, like, yeah, I hate being cold. I'm the same as you. I try to explain it to people. I'm like, it's literally painful. It's not like it's just uncomfortable. It's like, I, yeah, I can't stand that. I can't stand to be cold. That's why I'm in Arizona, but there is that there is a little bit of a shift, especially during, and it doesn't last for too long. I think that's why I don't see as much of it. Cause mm. it's only like a pretty short period of time where we get like, Oh, where it's 80 during the day and 40 at night. Like that only happens for such a short period that I think we just get through it quickly. So I don't see as much of an issue, but also find as people get healthier, and their thyroid's better regulated, they're not as sensitive to those temperature changes. Yeah. Cause I used to be like, especially when I was heavier, mm-hmm. oh man, I couldn't stand it. Any, any little shift. And I was always like wrapped up. I'm like, you know, you would think with all this fat too, should would be a little bit warmer, but I was not. So, <laughs> but as I've gotten healthier, I'm like, oh, I'm actually like warm. This feels great. I'm sweating. Like, this is awesome. So, you know, it kind of depends on where they're at in their healing process too.
0: For sure. Yeah, it's like a kind of cold. It's so cold, you want to die. It's the kind of cold, very uncomfortable. Um, The sauna, regularly saunaing helps me quite a bit through that. And not just during the sauna, but I get the afterburn, so to speak. And so it's one of the big reasons I'm such a proponent of sauna. Can we talk about sauna and thyroid a little bit? Are you are you versed in that? I feel like that's been such a huge helper for me to keep my thyroid regulated throughout the wintertime.
1: Yeah. And actually I got the, I have that higher dose sauna blanket, which I just love because it's super convenient. You know, you don't have to have this big old thing. And so I I've been loving it and really, I mean, sauna, when we think about it for, I think about for thyroid and adrenals and hormones. So it's not, you know, and the, again, I always see those things together. So being able to shift somebody's well. one, you know, I find that most people when they're in the sauna, of course, they're in a more relaxed state. Like I'll tell them, okay, no phones. You know, I try to keep them away from their devices while they're in there. So it's also a time for them to kind of meditate and really, I know, I know you do your <laughs> sauna videos. No judgment.
0: <laughs> no I'm like, judgment. oh, that's when I catch up on my phone. <laughs> I know, I know, but that's
1: okay. You can do your own thing. All right, you teach your own. But yeah, I try to keep them off there because it's another opportunity for them to like, just relax. And especially if they have adrenal issues to stay away from that stuff. So it's a good meditative time for them. Right. But then, you know, obviously the heat is very, very healing, right. The heat that you're getting from it, you know, working on the metabolism, getting them sweating. So, you know, a lot of people who have thyroid issues have environmental exposures that they're dealing with too. So I need them to sweat. Right. And so you can get that from exercise, but you know, the sauna is a great, easy way to do that, especially in the beginning where they're not doing as much movement and they're not to that place where they're, you know, have a really good exercise regimen. So getting all those toxins out and, you know, a lot of them are dealing with you Know we talked about pain. So it really, really helps the muscles kind of calm down. They their pain reduces, their mood is better. I mean, overall, they just they seem more vital when they're using a sauna regular. I see it in their face, I see it in their eyes, I see it in their skin. And it's such a nice passive thing to do, right? Where they don't feel like they have to, you know, when you're going, and you know, obviously I want them all to work out, but you know, going to a gym and working out, getting with the trainer, all that. This is something that they can just sit at home and do for you know, however long 10, 20 minutes, and it's such a great boost to their immune system, which we know is important for thyroid, um, and a great boost to their metabolism and their energy. So I love it. I love it. Not everyone has access to it. So you know, it'd be great if everyone did. But if they have access to it, I'm always pushing for them to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan. My quick fix to get out of a hypothyroid funk when I'm in the low thyroid state is to go cook the crap out of myself. Like that is <laughs> 100% my fix every time. I just cook myself until my lights come back on. I I up my thyroid hormone, which I don't suggest people do unless they talk to their physician, but get with someone who's cool with that because Sometimes people need a little extra and sometimes they need a little less and you got to find a doc who's going to be cool working with you on that and be okay, not freak out. Um, and, and two, go cook the crap out of yourself, whether it's through exercise and extreme sweating or sauna and sweating or a hot bath and sweating or going out in an Arizona summer and sweating, but like getting hot is... Such a wonderful uh reprieve from that low thyroid like myxedema. And for the audience listening, can you describe myxedema? Because I keep referring to it and
1: oh people- yeah, of course. because yeah, people, I mean, I don't know if I've even really talked about it a lot on my page. We just don't talk about it a lot, you know. So, like you described, it's like, you know, it's it's kind of a general condition associated with hypothyroidism, you know, where you've got the mental dullness, the sensitivity to cold, but you get like this. It's almost like a, a waxy, puffy type, like you can feel it in the tissues. Like mm-hmm. when somebody comes in, like, I know as soon as I get my hands on them and it's just like spongy, right? It's just this feeling that you get and you can see it in their tongue. You can see it like in their nose, even like if you take befores and after people, you can just see it in their nose. So, and of course, mixed edema can get really bad to the point of like mixed edema coma, but like rarely am I seeing anything like that really does it get to that point, but yeah, it's just like this sluggish, spongy state yeah, <laughs> of it's, thyroid. Yeah.
0: It's a protonaceous swelling. So most people think of swelling with fluid, water, you know, extracellular water, but myxedema is proteinaceous. So it it's like, it's got substance, you know, it's like having jelly between your cells and in your cells. And that's uh, a great description, jelly. Yep. I've seen it what I I just clinically, I'm sharing this with you and the audience. Uh, When I see low back pain, that is fairly uh, recalcitrant to therapy, meaning good therapy, like a chiropractor massage, some acupuncture, some prolo, and they're just not swinging around. Uh, And especially if they're hard to adjust, like I'm someone who's really easy to adjust. But when my thyroid goes low, I become very, very difficult to adjust. And my spine won't cavitate, it won't let go. Even with a really skilled big chiro, I'm still like, Like a stiff board, Uh, that's that's myxedema, and it swells around the spine and it swells around the nerves, and so people will start getting radicular pain, and dermatomal, you know, all kinds of issues. Not, and most doctors miss this. Most doctors have no idea what they're seeing, and I found it clinically to be so related to thyroid, and I'll ramp their thyroid hormone up for two, three weeks, have them come back, and voila. Symptoms resolved, and we now have a clear clinical picture that I actually can deal with. Versus. Versus, Yeah. A shit show.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's a good chunk of people that come to me. Like a lot of people that are coming to me, they're coming from the conventional system where they're told, oh, your thyroid levels are normal. There's nothing else we can do for you. Well, one, they're not normal. You only ran TSH. So let's look at the full picture here. Let's see what your T3 and T4 are doing. But clearly, like, stop just looking at the numbers. You have to look at the person in front of you. Like, and numbers are helpful, but it's just one piece. And so, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, okay, being able to, you know, bump up your thyroid dose when you need it. Like oftentimes I'm like here, like, I'll just prescribe you a 15 milligram tablet. And if you, you know, in addition to your normal dose, and then you can use this when you start to see these symptoms coming on. So I try to teach my patients how to do that. Right. But also, okay, watch out for these things. If the dose is too high, like we want to make sure that we're safe, but literally it's like within, like you said, two, three weeks, it doesn't take long at all. And it's like, ah, like, I can breathe, I can move. It's like all the basic things. And it's so simple that it's stupid that people don't get the help that they need when it's really such a, a simple thing. It's frustrating. It's, it's infuriating.
0: Uh, truly. I mean, I, I think about all the elderly folks sitting in old folks' homes with dementia, with that's really a B12 deficiency and a hypothyroid state. And if, you know, for 10 cents a pill of some desiccated thyroid and some, uh B12 shots, which are pretty cheap too, these people wouldn't be suffering with dementia and they wouldn't, I, I watched my grandmother, it was infuriating to watch it happen because I had no control over it because I was still in school, but I knew, I knew a lot about thyroid. It was ironically, before I got my own treated effectively, I knew a lot about thyroid and just to see her cognitive decline and to see that her hypothyroid state persist and get worse and worse and worse. And, and for the audience listening, you can see this on people look at um, look at uh, Winston Churchill, look at Carrie Fisher, look at uh, who else? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Clinton's dude, the vice president, what's his name? The Tennessee Al Gore, Look at all those folks. That's thyroid. Look at before and afters and you can see it so clearly. And yeah, oftentimes it's alcohol-induced hypothyroidism because they're boozing it up and pilling it up or I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting any one of those. We know Winston Churchill was a drinker. Carrie Fisher was a drinker and a pill popper, but uh, I don't, I'm not accusing Al Gore of anything. Anyway, the point is we can see this clinically when they walk in the door. We know what's going on. We can see it in ourselves. That's my first sign as I start to get the puffy eyes and the, you know, that, that, What what did you call it? That kind of waxy puff around my face. (laughs) And I think that we are doing humans such a massive disservice. I think we have such an epidemic of hypothyroidism, particularly in women over 40. So the, the group that loves to tear into you and I on Instagram who are emotionally uncentered also, I, have, I try to have some sympathy for them because I understand they're probably hypo- I look at their profile and I'm like, ooh, that poor lady's a yeah. hypothyroid. <laughs> yep.
1: Need some hormones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think we're in this. I joke that we are in this pandemic because of a hypothyroid induced psychosis. I think it creates such a dullard mind and it creates such a slowness of cognition. That's my one of my first symptoms. I feel like the hourglass on my computer spinning, you know, the one moment, please, where you go for the words that you always, know, you like the words you say to your patients day in and day out. And one day you're like, I cannot articulate the words out of my mouth that I'm trying to form in my head. That is a sign of hypothyroidism to me in my own life. Personally, I'm like, oh, better go take my pill or, you know, up my dose a little. But I think that we are sitting in this pandemic because we have such a hormonally imbalanced society. True. Ah. I think you're absolutely right. It makes it makes you cowardly. It it causes all kinds of side symptoms too. I'm not trying to take the floor here. I'm sorry. I'm just on a rant, but like it causes. Uh, I mean, one of my symptoms in college was I suddenly had a fear of heights. I'd never had a fear of heights before. It turns out that's a hypothyroid symptom. Yep ingrown toenails that are chronic or a hypothyroid system, it can do all kinds of mental emotional things and all kinds of physical things. And the next thing you know, you're sort of trapped in your own body. And you're afraid to really do much of anything. And I think that's where society is at as a whole right now people are and there's actually some literature supporting the idea that low thyroid is definitely a risk factor for poor outcomes with Rona. So like, that's my that's my theory.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When well, then you combine that with, you know, not not strength training, not, you know, not being strong and it's just like everyone's retreating, everyone's hiding, like nobody feels like they can stand up, they're not confident in themselves and all of that can just be thyroid stuff. Like I love my favorite part of what I do is just seeing the transition and I'm like, "Ah, oh, there you are." Like I knew you were hiding in there. Like, "Come on out, girl. Like, let's see your stuff." <laughs> and it's just so fun to see people like wake up and, and feel better because not only is it good for them, it's good for their entire family. Cause they're like, Oh, now I've got my husband doing this and I've got my kids on track here and I'm putting boundaries down with my mom and whatever it might be. And you just see everything start to click into place. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. So
0: if we could get the whole world doing that, it'd be awesome. (laughs) Wouldn't it? We, I don't think we'd be in this mass formation psychosis so heavily. This episode of the Dr. Tina Show is brought to you by my personal line of products that you can find inside my online store. We can all use a bit more resilience right now, so I bottled it. Resilience is an optimal adrenal support to promote energy and stamina. Resilience features a comprehensive blend of nutrients and botanical extracts targeted to support the body's responses to stress. It's designed to promote adrenal physiological functions by supporting the adaptogenic response, to promote optimal energy production, stamina, and the management of everyday stressors. Adrenal glandular tissue sourced from Argentinian bovine to safeguard purity rounds out the ingredient profile. While I can't make any specific health claims, tell you how to dose it, or make individual health recommendations, I can tell you how they work. As always, check with your provider before beginning any supplement regimen. Listeners of The Dr. Tina Show can enjoy 10% off Resilience right now by using the code RESILIENCE10 over inside my store, at store.drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A. Again, head to store.drtina.com and use code RESILIENCE10 for 10% off. So uh, let's talk about exercise. I know with uh, thyroid, exercise is tricky. What do your, what's your book say? Yeah. So it, it is
1: tricky and it kind of depends on where they're at in that process. So if somebody comes in and they're like, you know, phase three, adrenal fatigue, hormones are jacked up, thyroid's a mess. Like I'm not putting them on, you know, a five, you know, hour a day, you know, five days a week type training program. I need to get them just moving a little bit. So I often find that I have to do things in a stepwise fashion, but keeping them forward progress, because as humans, we tend to like get stuck in our spot and we need somebody to push us forward a little bit. But I often find that I have to start with just like low, low grade movement first. But I always tell them my goal, you know, I, here's where I want you to be, but here's where we're going to start. So they can kind of see what that pathway is. So you have, you really, at the end of the day, you have to be doing some type of resistance and strength training, getting, building muscle because muscle's one of those main places that's converting T4 into T3, right? Which is what we need. And I say it all the time. They've got great T4, but then their T3 is like bottom of the barrel. And I'm like, okay, what's going on with your liver? Are you eating too much sugar and triglycerides are, you know, mucking up the liver, Uh, or, you know, do we need to get your muscles moving? What, what's the deal there? And oftentimes like just getting them in the gym and and moving and putting some weights in their hands can make such a huge difference. And, and it's such a good confidence builder too. Cause like I said, a lot of these people are just like, they don't feel good about themselves, right? Maybe they've gained weight, they're puffy. They just don't really feel good about themselves. And I just feel like it just really makes them feel more like I always, one of the things I look for in my patients is for them to say, I feel more like myself, right? I feel more like myself. And that's what I'm looking for. That's when I know we're on the right track. So strength training has to be a piece of it because building muscle is vital for thyroid function. Like you cannot have good thyroid
0: function if you don't have good muscle mass. A hundred percent. Say that again, that last sentence.
1: Yeah, you cannot have good thyroid function if you don't have good muscle mass straight up, straight up. It's just not possible.
0: Amen. I I cannot keep uh, I cannot emphasize this enough with my audience. And I keep beating this. I, I beat the horse all the time. And I keep coming back and people are like, Oh, thanks for the reminder. I need to start that up again. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You need to start that up again. Like you don't ever stop it like it has to It has to keep going. Like, we have to exercise. And when I, you know, I joke with my husband, I'll be like, dude, you haven't lifted in a few days. And he's like, well, I think I look fine. I'm like, this has nothing to do with how you look. This has nothing to do with how strong you are. This is absolutely 100% about me keeping a healthy husband throughout, for as many years as I can on this planet, for a myriad of reasons. Like, this is a non-negotiable. We lift the lower body no matter what particularly the lower body, no matter what, at least twice a week, no matter what, like these are not negotiable things. And you and I could wax poetic of the laundry list of the reasons why. But I'm tired of trying to convince people of it. It's like, Just trust us that without a a very long endocrinology and physiology lesson, just trust us when we say, if you focus on your butt and your thighs and your hamstrings and your lower body and you lift, you will do every system a favor and everything will run more smoothly. Uh, What we don't want is someone like me who you have to continually keep increasing the thyroid dose because they keep burning themselves out, right? Like we, this is all about mitigation when I think when it comes to the thyroid is like, how do we keep people on you know on the track without it's not too much it's not too little this isn't this isn't boot camp or you know orange theory we're not talking about that we're just talking about like deadlifts and squats and yeah building an ass build an ass it's the best thing <laughs> I mean, really, that was my only goal. I'm
1: like, I want that girl's butt. How do I do that? So help me out, trainer.
0: <laughs> right? Me too. But like, the benefits were just so plentiful that I couldn't shut up about it. And it, you're so right. You, I think that um, over exercising can really, really destroy a thyroid too. these, these cardio bunnies, right? These people who are just boot camping it, uh, cross training it. And often I'd have to tell those patients to pull back like, hey, slow your roll a little. How do you Oh, absolutely. I've,
1: I've seen that. I've seen that so many times where they're, yeah, they're the CrossFitters, they're the Orange Theory gals. And I I know when I'm coming into the appointment, I'm like, oh, they're going to be so mad because I'm about to tell them they need to rein it in and they don't want to. They're the type A's. There's the go-getters. And I'm like, listen, that's great. I love that energy. But also you are basically putting your body in a space where it doesn't feel safe. I talk to people about like making your body feel safe because if it doesn't feel safe, it's going to retreat. It's going to hold on to all those calories you're putting in. And it's not going to be able to function the way that you want it to. It starts to shut down literally. So yeah, I have to have that conversation quite a bit with some of my folks. And usually I tell them, I'm like, listen, it's for a period of time, right? You can ramp it up a little bit later, but you have to, the other thing I have to teach them is to actually listen to their body and look for those signs and symptoms Cause like I'll, you know I do the same thing I'll push really hard and then I start to see something and I'm like oh okay I'm losing losing the outer third of my eyebrow time to like back off a little bit or I'm starting to get that that foggy feeling where I'm just like wading through the water and nothing seems clear like I know that that's time where I need to rest so that's a part of the education that I do is okay know when to push but no when to rest know when you know you can go hard and find find that balance but it's always kind of up and down right life happens so sometimes you don't have any choice but to kind of push a little bit, but you got to find that, that balance where you have a chance to rest too. So I have to talk about that ad nauseum sometimes.
0: (laughs) It's key. It's key. I, you know, I was telling you off camera that I, uh, stayed up too late last night working on my new website and I woke up and like, here's the puff, you know, like it's subtle. And my husband doesn't even acknowledge it or recognize it, but I see it. And, That, like you said, with the eyebrow, the outer third, that's a classic thyroid symptom for the audience listening. It's like when these little things – these are little small warning signs that like something is awry in the environment and to just really take a moment to pause and center yourself and go back to just implementing the basics, which I think is really – A a wonderful people often will say, Oh, these things are all these things are too hard, Dr. Stone. It's too much, right? But I think it's actually really relieving for me because as somebody who struggled with such swings in my weight growing up, like I had a closet from size 10 to size four. And I would just swing back and forth all the time all through after high school, this this started for me all through college, um, all through, you know, my postpartum period after my daughter when I was in my early 20. I guess I had her when I was 24. But those early days. And then now I, I just, no, I can pause and go back. I mean, I look at your table of contents on your book, and it's like, bing, 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 bing. Just stop and pause. Like, where am I pushing it too hard? Where did I too little? A good example, I got on my Peloton the other day, and I took a class because it was like 90s uh, R&B, and I thought that sounded really fun. I wanted to ride to a tribe called Quest, and I was like, let's go. The guy had great energy. I was having fun. Next thing I know, is was getting my ass handed to me. And it was brutal and I had to completely adjust the workout. I couldn't keep up. I was like, it just, it was too much in too many ways. And the next two days I was in so much pain, my hips, my spine, like everything I got. I, there was too much standing and climbing the hill. I mean, it's just too much of everything. And so then when I got back on my Peloton, I, you know, I looked for like the most grandma ride I could find. And it was lovely. It was like so soothing and calm and I felt great. I felt very tonified after, meaning like my vitality felt like it got what it needed. And I was able to just, you know, I had a great night's rest that night. I track my heart rate variability with my aura ring so I can always see what my day and my workouts are doing to me. It's quite telling when you look at that, you know, and uh, I just think that we all need to give ourselves a break and understand that you and I are saying strength train, that doesn't mean go kill yourself. It means find a coach and start where you can. And that might be with a eight pound dumbbell, right? It, we all got to start somewhere. Yeah, or even just resistance bands. I'll tell people, I'm like, you're sitting on the couch watching TV. Anyways, grab your resistance
1: bands. I'll give you like five different things you can do. Watch your, your shows, your soaps, whatever you're into and do a few things, right? It doesn't have to be yeah, it doesn't have to be some big thing. It doesn't have to be an hour of just like, you know, really killing yourself in the gym. Cause that's, that's not good for you either. It's, it's always about balance, always about balance. Cause I do that too. I'll get I don't know. I'll just be in a mood and I get in the gym and I like really go hard. And of course my trainer's there. So I let him push me and he calls me the energizer bunny. Like he knows, like, I won't stop, like whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Right. But then sometimes I'm like, Oh, I did not have enough protein that day, or I didn't sleep well the night before. And then I, I pay for it. And so, you know, learning to yeah, learning the basics and learning to recognize, oh, here's what I did or didn't do well in my day. And here's how it's impacting me. And how can I adjust that for the next day? Because everyone always thinks, oh, you got to be on, you got to be perfect all the time. Like, oh, I have to do everything just in alignment. It's like, eh, no, like, this is all just trial and error and figuring out what works for you or doesn't. So yeah, let the perfection go and just do stuff.
0: <laughs> and and don't compare yourself to a younger version of yourself Don't compare yourself to, I mean, even me pre-pandemic and me now are two different beasts. I I feel, I mean, I feel like, I was joking, I feel like, you know, those warrior, like the Viking warriors come back from war after being out to sea and conquering and they come back and they're all worn, torn and like wrinkled. I, I feel that so much now after just the last two and a half years of all this. And I have to look back at even those workouts and think, I was like, God, I was lifting crazy weights. I was super lean. I was cut. And now I'm not feeling that way as much. But you know what? It's okay. Uh, for me, my goals are to sleep soundly without pain waking me up. It's to not hurt myself worse. And it's to continue to have a healthy libido and to be to be able to have sex without pain because I have such a low back hip funny thing that like just decides to Shift itself around all the time. Um, And it's, you know, it's like my exercise is there to serve me and my hormones and my vitality and my health, not to have me compare myself to who I used to be and definitely not compare myself to others. I'm not trying to outlift you. You have, we have a different age groupage. You know, and we worked out together one day. And I like I realized like you are such a strong woman. And I was like, you know what, I can't you were doing a couple moves. I'm like, I'm not feeling that today. But I can do these right. And that's where I think having a good coach comes into play is like someone who can understand you to work with you. And it keeps you from hurting yourself. But I more importantly, it's like, how can we how can we serve our needs of exercise without this comparison game? I can't keep up with my husband. He has a natural ability to run like a freaking rabbit, and I had no idea, you know, and if you were to put two treadmills side by side, or we were to go out on a road run, I can't keep up with a guy at all, right? And he's got these super long legs, and I'm like, who knew? But I guess I'm I'm rambling, but my point is, is this really is a huge issue for people, and I think it leads them to inaction, which you mentioned earlier, and I want to come back to. It's this whole... Like, well, I can't do what I used to do, or I can't do this because I have pain. Like, I can't uh deadlift with a barbell anymore. I cannot do it, it destroys my hips. It was years of me like battling my ego around that until the point where I was like, it's just not worth it. What can I deadlift, right? Like what can I deadlift without pain? I'm going to do that. I'm going to figure that piece out. And that took, I mean, God, that was like, (laughs) I think we were going on like five years here of me battling this in my head. Instead of being depressed and mopey and just not deadlifting, what can I do? And this plays into lots of things. I'm not great on super uneven surfaces because of the way my pelvis is, but I can walk awesome on certain trails. So where can I go hike? These are the things I want people thinking about. And this, obviously, I'm sure you have more to say about this. But like, how do we overcome that inaction of doing diddly squat and move towards health? Yeah,
1: so much of it is just not Overthinking it, like realizing what your limitations are and not overthinking it so much. Like, so I used to be a runner. I loved running. Like, I would just pick up and I would go run five miles, no problem. Like, it was no big deal. I cannot do that anymore. I have old soccer injuries in my knees and I probably need some prolotherapy, but I haven't done it yet, whatever. So I know that I'm not running on a treadmill. It's just not happening. So fine. I do the rowing machine. That works just as well. And I still get, you know, my heart rate up and it's great. So, you know, I mentioned like, people get so caught up and, you know, there's always this, this interesting approach to like, I think about, you know, new year's resolutions, like, oh, I have to start on this day and I have to start on this Monday and here's my plan. And they try to plan everything out to like the point of insanity. And I'm like, just pick one thing, pick one thing and do that consistently for a period of time. So, you know, people just really overlook it or um, overthink it. And then they overlook the importance of small things. And I think the other thing too, that I see folks do is Their goals is looking at what their goals are. So like a lot of times with exercise, people are like, oh, I want to look like another person or I want to be this certain weight. And I'm like, okay, not no weight goals. I don't want to hear about your weight goals. I want to hear about what you want to do. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want to be able to do? Right. And that's when people start talking about, well, I want to be able to get on the floor and play with my kid and be able to get back up. I want to be able to, you know, take my dog for a walk three times a day and not be in pain. Right. So I try to have them come up with goals that are non weight related, because then that gives them a different a different perspective on what their exercise is actually for. Right, it's not just for vanity. The that piece is great, right? Having a, a good butt is great, but what are what are we really doing this for? So sometimes just reframing it, reframing what the goal is for them, is enough to kind of push them in the the right direction. But I always tell folks, I'm like, stop planning it and just start doing it because yeah. you're just thinking about it too much, you know. And we can talk ourselves in and out of so many different things, and you get those voices in your head, like you mentioned, like, oh, I'm not good enough, or I don't deserve this. Like I get that with a lot of women. Like I don't deserve to have time to myself. I need to dedicate my life to my kids and my husband. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like none of those things are happening unless you are here. And so I need you to stay alive and I need you to stay healthy if you want to take care of all these people. So that whole idea of like, you can't give from, you know, an empty source, like you have to fill yourself up and trying to teach mamas that is probably one of the hardest things I do because they just don't know how to put themselves first so much of the
0: time. Oh, it's so true. And especially new moms, you know, they're the ones hit Hardest by hypothyroidism, often out of nowhere. And they, you know, that was when mine first creeped up, was after I had my baby, and I, who's almost 22 now, but I spent almost a decade very hypothyroid, not knowing, not recognizing myself. Even now, looking back in pictures, I'm like, oh, geez, I can't believe nobody called that. I can't believe I was surrounded by naturopaths and nobody, including my mentor, Rick, said a thing <laughs> like, hey, you don't look right. Something's wrong, you know? But you're right. You can't, you certainly can't help it can't help a damn person if you can't help yourself. So I heard something great I wanted to share. I was listening to an audiobook by James Arthur Ray. And he said, if you can't figure out what you do want, why don't you have the person describe clearly what they absolutely do not want? And then figure out what the opposite of that is. And go for that right? So I do not want to break a hip. I do not want... Now, we don't want to focus on these things because of the, you know, power of suggestion, <laughs> and, you know, but... And the, the law of attraction. But I definitely do not want to have a hormonal imbalance that impedes me from having good intimacy with my husband. I do not want to break a hip. I do not want to be crippled. These are real fears I have, to be honest. And then I have to rephrase. So what do I what do I want? It's the opposite of that. And then what actions do I need to take to ensure that we do the opposite of that?
1: right? Yeah, I love that approach. That's great.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really helpful. I heard that the other day. And I was like, I really like that for people who are stuck in that inactive. And the reason we're talking about this, you guys, is because being hypothyroid really, really doubles down your psyche on this inactive state. It's very weird. And I it's hard to describe. But for those of you listening who are like, Oh, my God, they're talking about me. I just like we're trying to get you to understand that that is the issue. And Taking action, i.e., reading your book, uh, working with somebody who spending the money. I, I want to. I really want to emphasize this too. You're not going to find this kind of care with your conventional doctor. I do not care how awesome they are or if they went to a functional medicine conference once. You are not going to find this care with your conventional doctor. You're going to have to find someone who actually knows what the heck they're doing. And like I said early on, most functional medicine doctors in ND still do not have the thyroid piece dialed. So finding someone who really knows what they're doing, like Dr. Stone, who actually has dedicated her career to this, it makes... More sense and you're gonna to have to pay probably out of pocket. These are generally not things you're gonna find covered by insurance. And so that's a big piece I hear people struggle with. At least you probably see this on Instagram too. Well, can you refer me to someone who takes my insurance? No. I can't remember the last time I used my insurance, to be honest. <laughs> me either. I, me either. And it's not because I I I've always been this way, even when I did not have abundance in finances. I I always paid out of pocket because I the people who I needed to access who had the answers for me generally didn't take insurance. And that's just the way it is. So uh, I just wanted to say that because it, uh, I think an act of A huge act of taking action is actually putting some skin in the game and putting some money down on yourself. Totally. That's why I hired a trainer. That's why I hired you. I was like, okay, like I got as far as my little brain can go. Like
1: I need somebody who can help me. So, and it gets you, you know, It gets you there faster and it's actually cheaper in the long run. You know how many patients come in and they're like literally grocery bags full of supplements that weren't even the right supplements for them or they weren't the right dose or they're very low quality. They don't have the right forms of vitamins, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you wasted so much time and money and I'm so sorry that that was the path that you ended up on because this is not that to me, it's not that hard because this is what I love to do, right? So I'm like, yeah, this is like, this is easy. Like, I know exactly what I need to do with you. But yeah, you hiring the right people will just, it'll get you there faster. And in the long run, it's cheaper. It's more, you know, expensive up front. But
0: honestly, it really does make a difference in the long run. And it's makes it a ton easier. I mean, that's people don't understand. Like, if I if I put two obstacles in front of you, one was a long, nice path to the beach, and it had a you know, uh, there was bark dust on it and it was, you know, somewhat paved or just at least cleared. And I said, Oh, there's the beach. Or I said, no, you got to go over those sand dunes and you got to carry the sack of potatoes on your back. Cause that's what it feels like when you have hypothyroidism, right? It feels like you're crawling up. It's like dealing with teenagers. It's the same.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I always tell them, I'm like, it's like wading through mud. Like you're just like, everything. Yeah. Yeah, like everything
0: everything takes exorbitant effort. Yep. So like getting there fast on an easy path is really, really key. And I think it's important that people continue to search. I say this because I inevitably get hit with a million emails when people are like, well, who do I go see? I'm like, dude, (laughs) you're going to have to plunk some money down on yourself and make it happen because I think that that's the key to getting over that hurdle and having that nice paved way for you. So um, yeah, yeah. What else? I oh alcohol. I wanted to ask you about alcohol. I think alcohol so you actually were a big inspiration for me to quit drinking. I I think I was we were out to dinner uh right after I got married in December and you didn't no one at the table drank that night except Ryan and I cuz we were celebrating. And I said I said you don't drink and you said no, it doesn't serve me. And I was like wow. <laughs> Just like like, you said something like that is what I heard was like, it doesn't serve me well. And I was like, Oh, my God, that is the best way I've ever heard it put. And I started thinking about it. So I quit with within a few weeks, right? And I quit drinking and I haven't drank since. And it's been remarkable. Like I'm, uh, I'm almost on day 90. And I didn't even know I the, the fog didn't clear until like two weeks ago. Really? Like, I mean, I had benefit immediately. Of course, there was benefit. I think first and foremost, the anxiety started going away that I was using alcohol to make it go away, but it was causing it. So that was ironic. But I'm this uh, clarity of uh, I don't know how to put it. What are my next best steps for my life? I guess like what am I supposed to be doing? What is my purpose on this planet kind of clarity? And what do I need to do to get there? Who do I need to hire to help me? Like, same thing. I got to dole out some cash and get some help because I need, right? And that, I just, I don't know. It was completely uh, like eluding me when I was drinking alcohol. So I wasn't even drinking that much. It's just, anyway, I wanted to share that. But I do feel like a part of it is my thyroid's healing because alcohol, poisons your thyroid. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So
1: alcohol, especially chronic use. And like you said, it doesn't really have to be a lot. It just has to be consistent use. So consistent use actually decreases those peripheral thyroid hormones. So absolutely a shakino. And then you think about it from an inflammatory perspective, right? So Hashimoto's, it's an inflammatory condition. So what is alcohol doing, creating more inflammation? And then what is it doing to the gut? We know gut is a big part of autoimmune disorders, general health, and for for sure the thyroid. So there's all these different pieces that jacks up your sleep, jacks up your sex hormones, all these things that you need for proper thyroid function. I mean, alcohol is just awful for that. I mean, and it can even like, you know, nodules, I've seen nodules go away when people stop drinking, right there. If even it was just like enlarged, I see it go down when they change nothing else, but stop drinking, but getting people there is a whole nother ball game, you know, (laughs) yeah. Women in their forties who like their wine and they like to be out with their friends. And I'm like, get a mocktail. Like you can still partake with, you know, in the fun without actually having the alcohol, but there's so many negative effects of alcohol. And I always just ask them you know, next time you have alcohol, tell me how you feel the next day. Tell me how you feel the next day. Do you wake up in more pain? Do you wake up puffy? Did you even sleep well? Right. How do you actually feel? Cause I know when I have alcohol, I mean, it's like a good three days before I really feel back to normal. And it, it takes a while. And the older I get the the worse that is. And so, you know, it's not like I never have alcohol, but it's just not every time I do, I'm like, why did I do that? Like that didn't feel good. <laughs> I don't feel, you know, it doesn't serve me well is exactly how I like to say it because it's like, what, that doesn't get me to any goal that I want. So, but negotiating that with patients is always a difficult conversation because nobody wants to give up their wine.
0: It's true. I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't even think I, I could, I don't know how else to put it. The world was so fucked. I was like, I'm drinking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, screw
1: this. I'm going out with
0: wine. <laughs> not, not that I couldn't stop, not like in an alcoholic standpoint, but like I, I can't deal with what is happening in the world and be sober, right? Like that was kind of my thinking. And it wasn't that I like to get drunk. It was just I like, you're right, the consistency. I was consistently poisoning my thyroid. And I know, you know, I know because I've told patients this, I say it takes... 90 days for your tissues to start healing. So whether it's pulling gluten out of the diet to heal the gut or whatever. And so I'm, I'm rounding the corner on this 90 days and I'm like, oh, I think things are healing. Like I, I feel you know, I feel um, I don't need as much thyroid hormone to every day as well. So I'm playing with that. But I it's, yeah, it's, it's been pretty remarkable. But I love that what you said, like, it doesn't serve me well. And I was like, that is because everyone says, why don't you drink? Are you an alcoholic? Or why did you quit? That's the funniest. If you mention it on Instagram, which I have, because I just I'm, I'm transparent. People are like, why did you quit drinking and how much did you drink? And I'm like, what the fuck does that have what to do it with it? Does it matter? Like, what does that have to do with you, lady? Like what did you have a problem? Tell me about it. <laughs> they they no, but I think they want to justify their drinking by figuring out what I was doing. Like it do you know what I'm saying? It was like when I closed my practice and a whole bunch of colleagues that I never talked to called me and they were like, what are you going to do instead? What are you doing for money? Because they secretly wanted to also. Right? <laughs> totally. They just, totally. You know what I'm saying? So like it's the same thing and I... I uh, it didn't matter. That's what I kept. That's what I say. I'm like, it doesn't matter because it's poison. Like alcohol is poison. It doesn't matter how much I was or was not drinking. It doesn't. I really wasn't drinking very much. Any amount of it made me feel like complete heck. But I think that that a lot of it was this low grade uh, thyroid poisoning. And it kind of makes me feel sad that I've done this to myself since I was 15. You know, I've been drinking consistently since I was 15 years old. I, I grew up in a town where alcohol was really a thing. Like it was very prevalent. Uh, my schoolmates, even the really good kids, even the, you know, the popular honor roll kids were heavy drinkers. Everybody was a heavy drinker. And then, you know, Portland is like, it's, it's so rainy. And beer is a huge thing here. And then the wine, I mean, alcohol is just, it's a depressing place.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. We
0: see that you know. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's huge in the Midwest and you know, my college years, I definitely drank too much. And I, I think we had talked about this at dinner or something where when I went to med school, I was like, that's it. Like I am like straight and narrow. I'm not, you know, a lot of my classmates were going to parties and doing this stuff. I was like, Nope. Not participating. I'm not doing it. I'm focusing on this thing, and so it's just. I have a. To me, it's easy when I decide I'm not going to do something. I just don't do it. Like there's no question. It's not hard for me. I'm just like, nope, not doing that thing now. And so that kind of carried me through. And I really. I mean, I don't think I had a single drink for like maybe two or three years. It just didn't. It didn't interest me, and I. I was on a different track at that point. So, but I, I had my moments for sure in college. I was a drinker, and you know, felt like crap too. I was skinny. I was skinny as all get
0: out <laughs> when I was in college, but I did—I was not healthy at all. It was terrible. Yeah, it's a crummy place to be. And when you get in the cycle, you can't see the out. And the reason I'm sharing this is because most people say, oh, I'm going to go dry for a month. I'm going to do dry January or sober October. But I'm here to tell you, give anything you do 90 days because... I've had some breakthroughs in the past two weeks that I didn't even think were possible. Just in my own, own mental state, in manifesting the life I want, in my goals, in, you know, what my next best moves are. Stuff I've been trying to get clarity on, praying, meditating about, could not freaking get clarity. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh ding, there it is, you know. So these 90-day marks are it's important too because it takes about 90 days for any metabolism to shift. And so this is why with patients, I never even, you know, with thyroid, I'll run labs to check regularly, but that's because I'm honestly covering my own ass. I am far more interested in their symptom picture. And like I said, I was dealing with pain. So if their pain shifted and improved, I knew I was on the right track. That's, that's what dictated the dosing. Um, I ran labs to make sure that we were all clear and good, or that I was clear and good, to be honest. And But within 90 days is when we really start to see all the lab work shift for the better, right? Yeah.
1: That's why I tell people, it's like, okay, you're going to feel better probably after a month or a couple months, but it's that three month mark. That's, that's when you're really going to start to take off. So that, that's the same conversation I have. Yeah. Well, I'm taking off. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Good. I love it. Fly high girl.
0: <laughs> let me ask you real quick before I let you go. Cause I know where I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, metabolism and thyroid, like metabolic dysfunction, insulin resistance and thyroid. Can you talk on that really quick? Because that's, you know, that's my jam.
1: Huge. There's, there's so, so insulin has a huge impact on thyroid function. We know this. There's tons of research around it. And, and a lot of my folks that come in, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, is it the, chicken or the egg. Was it the thyroid issue first? And, or was it this blood sugar issue? Almost all of my thyroid patients have blood sugar issues. Even if it's like, they're like, oh, but my, my blood sugar was normal. I'm like, yeah, but look at that insulin. You have an insulin of like 23. Like this is not, this is not kosher. I cannot have that happen. And we know, again, it goes back to inflammation as well, like sugar is inflammation. And we know that that also, if you have insulin problems, that it's affecting liver function. Liver is one of those places where we're converting T4 into T3. So if you're bogging down your liver with a bunch of sugar, that's not going to be helpful either. And then you talk about the gut, right? We know that that's going to cause dysbiosis and gut issues are huge with people who have thyroid disorders, like all different types of infections, H. pylori, nirsenia, You know, Epstein-Barr virus, Candida, I mean, all sorts of stuff. And sugar is just a driver for that. So you have to get every single one of these patients I'm running an insulin on and it drives me bonkers that they're, you know, they'll come in and they're like, oh, I had labs done. And I'm like, yeah, they did like a CBC, a CMP, and a lipid panel. This is telling me nothing. Like I need, I need more detailed information, but blood sugar issues, blood sugar dysregulation is a huge issue with thyroid. So I'm always watching out for that. And because it controls your metabolism, it controls the way that the thyroid functions, it controls
0: thyroid hormone production, all of that. So got to get that under control. Right. So you got to do both. You got to, yeah, 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 yeah. And conveniently, the things you do to heal your thyroid are the same things we do to get our metabolism in check. (laughs) Isn't it so? It's like all works together.
1: (laughs) That's why I tell people I'm like, okay, this is where we're treating, but like, literally, it's all the same stuff. Like, I still need you to do the baseline stuff, the foundational stuff, because the
0: end goal. it it all works towards the end goal. So absolutely. Yeah. I I love it. I love it. A quick thought when uh, you see influencers on the gram and they say, I cured my Hashimoto's and I can cure yours too. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it drives me nuts. I'm like,
1: yeah. But the minute you, okay, you might, you might see your antibodies drop. Awesome. Great. But the minute you start stressing yourself out again, the minute you start you know drinking a bunch of alcohol and sugar again, you're right back to it. It's just sitting there waiting for you to to mess up and to do it for a long period of time. So it's kind of like the adrenals, you know, I'll, I'll get people out of adrenal fatigue and then they start burning the candle at both ends. And I'm like, Hey, you're heading right back, go for it. But you know what we got to do to get out of it.
0: So yes, yeah, that drives me crazy. <laughs> yes. Because autoimmune disease is once it's on, it's on, right? And we can't. It's really a disservice to people to to say you can cure it. Now you can mitigate it, get it into remission, rein it in. Yes, but curing it, it's it's always going to lurk, and it will always be there to remind you when you step out of line, which is what I hear yeah. you saying. So yeah. I'm like, it's
1: so i hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's so unfair. Cause it gives people false hope that like, Oh, all I have to do is this program or take this supplement and then I'm going to be fine for the rest of my life, no matter how I live. And it's like, no, no, no. You still got to do all the things. It's a lifestyle change. It's the way that you live and you got to continue to do that. There's no way around it. There's no pill that's going to do that for you.
0: Yeah. My mother-in-law the other day offered me something that I couldn't eat and uh, I didn't want to eat. And she said, she said, "Are you still on this carnivore kick? are you are you and Ryan still doing this?" And I said, "What do you mean still? like we shifted to this more. you know well i I've always eaten this way for the most part. Uh, I had to move Ryan towards it, you know, slowly. These are baby steps." <laughs> With the significant others, you have to sort of gently suggest and educate. But he's, he's on it. Like he's way into it because he's a smart dude. He loves learning. And if I can't convince him something you say does or something, you know, someone else on the Instagram does, and he's like, did you know that, or you, but you should check out, he's always telling me to check out your stuff. You should, you should check out Carolyn's post today. It was really interesting about blah, 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 blah. And he gets it and he, he reiterates it back. So, you know, he's learning it, which is really good. Um, but I looked at her and I said, we're this is not like a temporary thing and we're okay with it like we're not i don't want it i don't want to eat baked goods again i don't like that's not interesting to me so yeah it's not just had that
1: conversation
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's not like a short term f- i mean i i my audience knows this i had a bit of a flare with my gut last year and so that really you know really focusing on just animal protein ruminant and like basically i eat beef i i eat beef pretty exclusively and uh it's mirror. It's miraculous for me. It helps me so much Uh, with the bloating and the distension and all. my skin is better. Everything is better. But, um, yeah. I'm not like, that's not something I'm going to just like shift out of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause
1: you're eating, you're eating for a way that makes, makes you feel good. I just had this conversation with a person earlier where she just naturally started moving towards an animal based diet. She's like, red meat never causes me problems. You know, eggs never caused me problems, but her mom's trying to get her to be a vegan. And she's like, what do I tell her? I'm like, it's not her body. I was like, do you feel good? I feel great. Then screw what anybody else thinks. Like this is the way you're eating to serve your body. It's not a diet. It's it's just the way. It's a way of eating, right? That is serving you. That might look a little bit different for everybody, but yeah, it is not a diet.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you this, this straight up as someone who was a vegetarian for a decade, and I hope I don't offend anyone with this. And I certainly don't offend, I don't mean to offend and I'm not pointing a finger at any of my logical vegan listeners. But as someone who's got a larger audience on Instagram, and I know you deal with this too. um, I have never had a carnivore based diet person attack me with vitriol and tell me how stupid I was and what a horrible person I was and completely demean me and demand that I answer them and demand that I change my way of doing anything. But it happens all the time with vegans. All the time. So I am. I say this with love because I've been there. But when I was in my deep vegetarian days, um, I was crazy. That's when I had to take antidepressants. And when I was Mentally not in a good place, and I think being severely malnourished does something to people that does create uh, an emotional imbalance. Oftentimes, and now I say this with love because I have several friends who are vegans and they are wonderful, mature, emotionally mature people with high EQs, and they're awesome. But the people on the gram have been very interesting. When I just compare, it's you know the the guys that lift weights, the women and men that lift weights eat meat. And mind their own business are calm as fuck. They're just, they're just calm. They're logical. They're like, hey, I really liked what you said here. I'd be interested in hearing more about this. I mean, it's like you're talking to an intelligent human being and you're having a discourse. And then the vegans come in and lose their flippant minds on you publicly and demand. And I'm like, whoa, let's just do a comparison. I wish I had a study on this. And I, I know that's a broad stroke statement. It's just my own experience of what I've seen, uh, in, these, in this short time that my, because my audience grew quickly. So it was a very different experience for me than it is for a lot of people who grow slowly, you know? And yeah. Have you, have you experienced that? Oh, absolutely. Even just the other day, I'd shared in my stories, just in my experience, you know,
1: years of food sensitivity testing, never once have I seen beef come up as a food sensitivity. Isn't that interesting? Right. And just kind of put that up there, like here, a little nugget to think about, boom, people coming at it. Well, my friend doesn't do well with meat, And I'm like, yeah, it's probably their digestive enzymes. It has nothing to do with the meat itself. They're just not producing enough enzymes, like, or, you know, there's something else going on with their gut. It's not because I used to, for years, I was like, man, like I can't eat steak every time I eat it, my stomach hurts. And I'm talking for like six hours, like keeled over in pain, started taking, you know, some, some digestive support. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's the problem. And now I can eat it. No problem, you know, without having to take any enzymes, but here, you know, people are blaming the food when it's really their system that needs fixing. But yeah, I had a ton of people come at me after that and I'm like, okay, but not
0: a single, not a single carnivore, <laughs> of course not, because they love to meat. But yeah, it's just interesting. It's very interesting. So again, I hope this doesn't offend anyone. But I, I, I that's just what I've seen, and it's been a trip. It's
1: <laughs> <laughs> been a long trip. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So tell me about so. uh your Hashimoto's. You got this book. You are doing a book launch, and you have a special gift for the audience that you're ramping up for. I
1: do I do so with this? Okay, so I'm gonna give give away one of the chapters in my book, and then I'm also gonna be moving into a seven day challenge. So this is my Find Your Fire Challenge. So because I talked about how important mindset is, so during this challenge, I'm gonna teach you guys how to get your mind in the right place to make the appropriate changes. And really, this is I mean, of course, I'm focused thyroid because that's what I love to do. But honestly, this is good for anybody because anyone who needs motivation or feels like they need to make some changes in their life and they're just sitting there in that inactive state and they need to move like that's who this challenge is for. So you're going to get a chapter. This challenge is completely free and
0: it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to do it. It's going to be so much fun. And whether you think you have thyroid issues or not, and we should add that what's the percentage of people who have low thyroid function who have Hashimoto's?
1: Oh my gosh, it's like 90%.
0: Yeah. So even if you've not been diagnosed, if you, especially if you're a woman over 40, I highly suggest you take uh, advantage of this opportunity because most people don't even realize, like you and I both said, we had no idea, nor did anyone around us who's sp- uh, sp- supposedly trained in seeing it.
1: <laughs> Darn it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So just getting started, I think, is so key. I hope we've really doubled down on that throughout this episode because... The first steps are the most critical. So awesome. So I'll put the link in the show notes for people they can just share their email with you and they'll get that information.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. I'm excited. All right. Any uh, and they should follow you on Instagram for sure. I'm just going to plug it for you. It's Dr. Stone AZ, isn't it? Isn't that Yes, you? you got it. Dr. Stone AZ. That's me. I love your Instagram. Where else? Any anywhere else you want to send people? Honestly, those are the two biggest places you're going
1: to find me. All my stuff's on there. So, follow me on Instagram. I'll be talking about the challenge on there. There'll be links for
0: everything on there. So, yeah, that that's my place. Awesome. Okay, well we will be sure to get that out to everybody. It has been such a pleasure talking with you today, my dear. I love you and you are such a good friend and such a good doctor and it's been uh, for the audience who doesn't know, she coaches with me in business and so it's been so awesome watching you put your light out in the world and shine it out cuz it was a uh, you were a quiet one in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. I I like to be behind the scenes and you've forced me
1: out into the world. So now I have to do it, but thank you for that. I I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for you and coaching with you has been hands down one of the best decisions I've ever made. So thank you because I I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for you.
0: Oh, you're going to make me cry. It's been so fun to watch you light your fire. I love it. Okay. All right. Well, I love you, lady. I hope you'll come back soon. I'm going to uh, help everybody get a, a hold of your book and everybody go sign up for her challenge right now. Thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Love you.
0: <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D R T Y N A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Gilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week.